and it was like the first time that I really had to read classic literature really um you know I had read books before but not as much and I really just something in me resonated it was just I started to understand certain questions in life that I was asking myself as a teenager through those books and and I that kind of opened up opened my eyes up to the power of literature your lifelong passions dreams and aspirations your joys and creative spurs your femininity your success all in one place this is girl skill with your host Anna Rova Hello, hello, and welcome to Girl Skill Podcast, where every Tuesday and Thursday, we're bringing you a conversation with an incredible woman on life, work, success, and femininity. These women share the incredible journeys with us so we can listen and learn, take the best out of it, get inspired, and, and stay motivated. And today, we have a very special episode with a foreign rights and publishing expert and founder of the Two Seas Agency, Marlene Seegers. If you're interested in writing and publishing your own book, becoming an agent or opening a publishing house, and specifically if you're interested in publishing overseas and in foreign languages, this episode is for you. I've met Marlene through her partner and she had immediately struck me as an open-hearted and open-minded woman full of ambition and femininity. In this episode, she tells us her story of how she managed to combine her love of books and languages with traveling and working for herself, which led her to co-founding the Two Seas Agency in California. It's also a story of going against the grain because not only Marlene has broken family traditions by not becoming a mechanical engineer like her father and siblings, but also selling everything she owned in Europe and moving across the world, following her heart and establishing an agency in California that basically broke all the rules of traditional foreign rights publishing and is now hugely successful. You have incredibly unique opportunity in this episode to learn and understand the ins and outs of foreign rights publishing, which basically means publishing a book overseas in, in foreign languages, and about the process and criteria for selecting titles that Marlene and her agency decide to represent at international book fairs every year. And of course, stay tuned until the end to find out Marlene's favorite books and some really cool apps she uses for finding yoga studios in major cities around the world, for keeping all her personal and professional contacts in one place, and lots of other cool stuff. Enjoy the episode. Girl Skill. Female success redefined. So today's guest is Marlene Seegers. Marlene, welcome to Girl Skill Radio. I'm very excited to be talking to you today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Anna. <laughs> no worries. Um, let's go first into let's go first into a couple of this or that questions so that the audience can really get to know kind of the fun side of you and what you think about this or that. So Let's go. So, Marlene, uh, flip-flops or high heels? Oh, definitely flip-flops. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm quite tall. Okay. I'm quite tall. I'm from Holland originally, so where I have the average uh, height, but um, elsewhere I'm, I'm usually the, the tallest or one of the tallest people in the room. So, <laughs> And I can't walk very well on heels anyway. So, and, okay. and since I live in California now, flip-flops are also what I usually wear every All day. Right. So flip-flops. <laughs> uh, let's yeah. move on. Uh, Thailand or Mexico? Hmm, that's a good question. I've never been to Thailand. And Mexico, I've been and I love it. Um... 
Well, I guess Thailand, because I always love going to places that I've never been to. Okay, perfect. Uh, lipstick or mascara? Oh, mascara. Yes. <laughs> okay. I don't wear, <laughs> I'm not good at wearing lipstick. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yoga or cardio? Hmm, that depends, really. Um, I'm, I always do yoga. I almost do yoga almost every day. Um, but I also love doing cardio. So if I have to choose, well, I'd go for yoga. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, uh, uh, now an interesting question, sex or sleep? <laughs> um yeah, that that also depends <laughs> i'm a i'm a big sleeper i love sleeping <laughs> and i need i need a lot of sleep like eight nine hours so, so if we i have the if answer I then have, if i don't have enough sleep but then again you know <laughs> Yeah. If I don't have enough sleep, then sex is, yeah, not so good. <laughs> so we know the answer then, sleep. Yeah, okay. maybe, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, skirt or pants? Oh. I, I this wear is both. supposed to but be, that, Merlin, this is supposed to be like, yeah. you know, <laughs> but let's that's, go. That, that gives away how I am. I'm the, I have a very analytical brain, so I'm, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. let's just go for pants then. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, hot or cold? Hot. Facebook or Instagram? Facebook. Okay. Yes. Dogs <laughs> or babies? Oh, I thought you were going to say dogs or cats, because that's easy. No, nope, dogs or babies. <laughs> oh, I guess dogs. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, pandas or whales? Whales, yes. Okay. Intelligence or sense of humor? <laughs> sense of humor. <laughs> hard one. Okay, sense yeah, of humor. Hard one. Yeah. Okay. Comedy or drama? Drama. Mm. Money, mm. money or fame? Don't they go together? <laughs> um, then I'd go for money. <laughs> okay. Uh, leather or lace? Leather. Okay. And the last one is freedom or hope? Freedom. Okay. Awesome. Congratulations. Ah. We're done with that part. Yay. You did great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Marlene, do you consider yourself successful and why? Um, yes and no. You know, I, I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I've succeeded many in many things and, and many goals that I've reached um, as, again, as a business owner. And, um, well, I, I think we'll address that also later. But I'm, I'm based in California, which is a very unusual uh, place for a, a already a, a publishing company to be in there are several publishing companies here but uh, but an agency like mine um it's usually play you know more it's closer to the publishing hubs like new york or london or paris or and starting this company this agency in in california was was a challenge and a lot of people um kind of had to be i had to prove in a way that it was going to work out. Uh, and uh, and I, I met with a lot of skepticism in the beginning. Um, also, 
well, again, we'll, we'll talk about this, but I'm not representing the regular American authors, um, which you would think um, me uh, based in California. So, um, but that I've, I've definitely, it's, it's been six years now and I'm, I'm, um, you know, making a living, uh, actually recently opened a, an office in, in Portugal and, uh, living a life that I'm, you know, that I think is, is, has a lot of qualities and is very stimulating and, um, you know, have a, have a great life with my, my husband who I can travel with a lot. And, um, it's, yeah. So I think in that sense, I'm, I am successful. Now, of course, there's also, there are days where I think I'm not successful at all. (laughs) It's, I, yeah, just, just, messages that I get or sometimes I feel I have to justify myself a little bit mm-hmm. um, too much and 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 just things go all the wrong way and and then then I can be really low there's you know there's highs and and, and lows and fortunately there's more highs than lows but uh, <laughs> yeah okay. it, it's it, it can be challenging sometimes uh, but yeah like like in any like in any business but overall I would say I am I'm successful yes. okay <laughs> Cool. That's a really good answer. Yeah, because it's, you know, it depends. It depends where you are today and where you are tomorrow. And yeah, and whether you're living the life that you want to live. And obviously, like from all the women I've interviewed, you know, it's such a personal question, you know, like, Mm -hmm. what does it mean for you and all that? So that's great. Okay. So uh, Marlene, let's get into your story because uh, you're now the founder that I would say the co-founder of 2C's agency, which is an agency that is representing, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, publishers, some authors and publishing houses um, to, and representing their foreign rights. So, uh, mm-hmm. and you've built a successful agency in the States. Uh, well, as you said, in California, and now you have an office in Europe. And uh, from all the information that I found online, you now have more than 400 deals uh, with publishers in Europe, Asia, and Americas, and four titles originally written in French, Dutch, Portuguese, Spanish, German, and English. And you mm-hmm. also managed to, well, you pay regular visits to all of the, you know, international book fairs in, um, you know, Beijing and Guadalajara and Rio de Janeiro and New York. And it's just amazing <laughs> how you, I feel like it's amazing how you managed to, you know, find your path in, in, in literature, in books, mm-hmm. uh, languages, and also you know, can combine this with entrepreneurship, having your own agency, plus you're mm-hmm. able to travel the world, which I feel like, you know, you're living the life, the dream life of anyone who's majored <laughs> in like literature or foreign languages or, you know, any of that. So I'm really, I'm really kind of amazed by how you managed to, to build this for yourself. And now you're living the, the life that you live, you know, and it's like, wow, it's amazing. So, um, you're I making just want to, <laughs> yeah, you are blushing. She's a listener. She's on video. She, she is blushing. But no, really, that's true. And you know that this, this whole radio, Girl Skill Radio is, is all about women, you know, just doing what they love doing and finding their way. And then, as you said, you know, despite the challenges that you have, and we're going to talk about, that was an interesting point you brought in because you had to work harder to be taken more seriously. Um, but what I want to ask you first is let's go back to where your journey actually started. So I know that you were born and raised in the, um, southern Dutch town of Maastricht. 
Is that Mastic. correct? There yes. you go, Mastic, yeah. And, Very uh, good pronunciation. Thank you. Well, I speak a couple languages myself, so I yeah. guess it's easy once you speak a couple, right? And then, so you were born to a family of chemical engineers, and then at yeah. 18, you left and, you know, to study abroad and, you know, moved to London. And then, um, okay, there's a lot of studying going on there. And, and then, <laughs> Okay, so tell me, tell me about that. Tell me first about your fa- so chemical engineers. So your parents are chemical yeah. engineers. How did yeah. you from that? And you said you also mentioned in your kind of you know about yourself that you escaped also the engineering path. <laughs> so I'm assuming that that was your path. Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, I mean, so so my father was a chemical engineer, and my brother is one, and my sister is one. So, wow. and I'm the youngest of four. So I was kind of destined for that path as well. I, I remember my father trying to explain very complicated mathematical uh, formulas to me when I just only started doing maths in high or in in, in middle grade, and um, it was you know, and and I, I actually was going to go in. That that direction. I did my my high school diploma is in sciences, and um, but I also did I also did languages, and there was some part of me that that really was curious um, about yeah learning learning different languages. Of course, in Holland, there's a lot of um, uh, the school there's there's a lot of languages that are compulsory. You know, you, everybody has to learn English, and then preferably one other or two other languages. And I chose German and then uh, and Latin actually, and that was turned out to be very helpful for for my language acquisition. Um, and um, and then my mother, she's she she's actually all she's more the language person in the family, and uh, she's always been an avid reader. And so I yeah, and and I. Kind of the, the 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 city of Maastricht. It's a beautiful town, and and I, I always love going back there because my whole family still lives there. And uh, but at at eighteen, I'd done my 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 high school diploma, and we I'd always lived in the same house, in the same neighborhood, the same neighbors, the same people. I just really felt like going somewhere else. Just really breaking with that with those patterns, and um. Ended up living in London for a year, and there I I took some literature classes. I I and, and really. Yeah, fell in love with with British um, British literature and um, and decided that that was going to be my um, yeah that that was going to be the direction that I was going to take rather than engineering, which I knew was not my was not my thing. I, I tried, but it's just that's not where my heart. <laughs> okay, was. how did your was that kind of going against the family tradition in a way, and how did you feel? When you decided, were you supported by your family or on the contrary? Um, <laughs> uh, okay, she yeah. was not. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, my my parents always wanted me to be happy, and they always, you know, made made that clear. But um, my mother, more so than my father, supported me in that in that choice. Um, I'd kind of been been brought up in the in the. Um, with the thought that you know, if you study literature or languages, you know you're not going to earn a good living, exactly. you know, because yeah. that's just not where the money is. And and you know, as an engineer, you'll you'll be able to make a nice career. And um, so it was it was not not an easy thing. Um, but you know, I, I and I think I kind of needed to go through that year of disconnection with my family. Of course, I was connected with them through letters and telephone calls that was before the internet <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of so think how, about that I mean how did you decide to go for it I mean was it something 
like was it the pure love of it you know how did you know and how how did you decide to follow this path because you know it's most of us i feel like most of us really follow our parents advice and because it makes sense at the time you know like you you major in something get a career and then you're going to make money and then when you're choosing something more risky by following your own voice and of course you did not know you know you can only Mm -hmm. connect the dots going dots going backwards yeah so what was that in you that really made you go for it, you know, and complete? Because you have, uh, you know, graduated in modern European literature and also you have a mm. postgraduate degree diploma in comparative literature in France. Mm. So, yeah, how did you decide that and why? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I actually remember that my last year of high school, I there, we had a teacher, the Dutch, Dutch teacher, Dutch literature and language, and that everybody was very, he was very, very strict and very, could be quite mean. And, and, um, and he kind of, uh, he had also taught Dutch to my brother, who was more of a scientific kind of person. So he always, he never really had good grades and, or at least I think I, he never had good grades. And, and, um, that's not where his interests lie. So when he, when I showed up, he saw my last name. I was like, Oh, you're one of the Seegers. So that's <laughs> like, okay. So I know you're kind. And, um, and I, I remember during the, the, we, we always for the, for the, last exam for high school we had like an oral exam we had to read 20 books in dutch and you know talk about it during in an in, in like in kind of an interview with him and i remember i read books and it was like the first time that i really had to read classic literature really um you know i had read books before but not as much and i really just something in me resonated it was just i started to understand certain questions in life that I was asking myself as a teenager through those books. And, and I, um, and I remember during that interview with him, I just pulled out things that I understood that for me, I I understood in those texts and I saw his visual expression like change, like, okay, (laughs) she's not, she's, she's different than, you know, what I thought she was. And, 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 um, that kind of opened up, opened my eyes up to the power of literature. Mm. And, um, so, and then during that, that year in, in London, I really, yeah, I really continued to study, um, international, but mostly British literature. And then I went to study, um, what's now called, I think in English, general arts. So it's kind of a safe study for people who don't really know what they want to study, but they kind of like languages. They like literature, history. Um, so, it's it's it it was a good way for me to kind of figure things out um you know i going to university was just something you did something i had to do um, also i know now that that is not such an obvious thing but that was just the way things go and um so that kind of left me first year of general introduction i studied linguistics i studied french i studied so it was like this whole broad um entrance to the um to the humanities basically Mm -hmm. and uh which i had never studied in high school and i really enjoyed it so that's how i kind of rolled into the 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 modern literature and then the comparative literature but thinking that i i didn't really know what i could do with it i just loved it yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, and so after mm -hmm. yeah and so after 
graduation, uh, you started interning with several French publishing houses and agencies. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you ended up actually um, being offered a position in rights and licenses department at, mm-hmm. uh, you know, France's oldest publishing house, Edition Stock. And yes. uh, that was amazing. You said that for four over five years, you represented foreign and domestic rights in their entire catalog, which consisted mm-hmm. of, you know, different books and fiction stuff. How did you get into that? I mean, was there, because this is, to me, this is not as obvious. I mean, obviously you spoke, no. you spoke a couple of languages and then you made yeah. it like that was, that was a pretty good start to your career in, in, you know, foreign rights and publishing. How did you get into that? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it was, I, I kind of, you know, studying languages and literature, you often end up, um, you know, as a teacher or a journalist, or there are certain career paths that are, you know, out lying in front of you when you when you do that. And I actually, I love doing the research. I love um, going, spending days in libraries and, and um, yeah. you're the bookworm. Huh? I was the big nerd. Yes. And, and I have to say, by the time I was living in Paris, there are very, the universities, libraries in Paris are just really amazing and in these amazing historical buildings. So it was just a treat to be there. And, um, but then I just, I realized my, uh, my father, um, um, was sick at the time and, and he ended up passing away um, what, like about a year after and, and kind of that was that was a hard period for me and I just then realized also like is this me am I just going to do a PhD like spend four more years in libraries just with me and my books like not at not working in a team, not doing anything concrete, because basically you only write in the last part of your your PhD. And suddenly I just could not see myself do that. And then I always had the idea of that I liked the idea of working in a publishing house, kind of picking out books that are um, from foreign languages um, that, you know, can be published in in that specific language and then through somebody's a, a fellow student he had um done an internship with a publishing house so i i asked him to, for contact details and they um they offered me uh yeah an internship and then i had no idea that something like foreign rights existed um I it's had a no very, idea it existed uh, yeah, before no. i met you <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's a very obscure part of the publishing uh, publishing scene and uh, but so I, I of course I spoke Dutch and English and French and a bit of German so it was I, I then just started talking to people and and I remember doing applying for for an internship with another publishing house and they said but you with your language skills and you know you you should try the rights rights and licenses department and I, I remember asking but what is that <laughs> so I um, and then I I started reading up a bit I, I met with another couple of people and they basically explained what it was you spend your time reading books analyzing them, meeting people from around the world, pitching them, trying to find a good match of that book with that specific editor and that specific language and culture. And you travel the world. And I was like, wow, that's perfect. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah. So you uh, ended up yeah. in five years just learning, I'm, I'm guessing, the ins and outs of yeah. that specific part of the industry and traveling mm-hmm. all over. And you said that, you know, this was a perfect combination of passionate books and languages and strong communicative Mm. interpersonal organizational skills that you have Mm. and so then after that you ended up in what was the year 2011 when you founded the two seas agency 
Exactly. When you yes. moved to, um, you know, to California and then you founded mm -hmm. it with Derek, your partner. Exactly. Yeah. How, tell me a bit more. Okay. So first of all, uh, we defined what is, you know, foreign rights, um, uh, buying and selling foreign rights in, in the publishing industry. Basically what you do, you match authors or publishing mm -hmm. houses with someone overseas or internationally who wants to basically take that book, translate it and sell it on their own market. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so you need to, <laughs> so you need to kind of, yeah. I mean, it, and it is, it's something, you know, I know that there's always, there's publishing courses and that also foreign rights is part of, of those, um, of the, the curriculum, but it, it really is something that you learn by doing it because you need to meet the people. You need to meet the foreign publishers. You need to get, get to know their tastes, their, mm -hmm. their passions, what they dislike. Uh, you need to know their editorial line because they can personally love a book, but then it just doesn't fit in their editorial line or what they're looking for at that specific moment. So it, it really is an, you, you acquire those skills throughout the years and and I'm still learning and I will I will always continue to learn that's also something that I love in this specific area of the publishing you know it's it's you, you never stop learning you always right understand. and it's it looks to me that it's a more of a relation like you you focus so much and you know in the like the promotional video stuff that you write it looks mm -hmm. to me that it's really a relationship building it's a network yeah. it's how you maintain the relationships with the publisher with the authors with the translators mm -hmm. so many moving pieces but it's i feel like it's really the industry that you your relationships matter a lot and yes and how you are and all of that okay so i got that mm -hmm. part we're going to go back to the process because i'm really interested mm -hmm. in the process and i know that we have listeners who you know are, are either aspiring writers or you know want to get into the publishing industry so we're going to talk about the process but first let's finish with your journey so tell mm -hmm. me about this transition period where you actually stopped working for a publishing house and decided to move all the way across the world and uh you know to found your own company which is two c's agency and you said that it was very challenging to be in California. So tell me about mm. that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, so of course you meet a lot of people, as you say, it's a, it's a, it's a business that's, uh, or the, the area is, is um, really based on relationships that you create and that you build and that you maintain and deepen throughout the years. And of course, you also sometimes meet people that you fall in love with. So, um, which is what happened to me. <laughs> um, I, so I met my, my husband, Derek, at the Frankfurt Book Fair, uh, in 2008 when I was working for the, this French, uh, publishing house. And, um, nothing happened at the time, but then we met again, uh, two years later in Beijing, uh, where I was also, um, yeah, selling rights there, doing a presentation uh, for about French literature in China. Uh, and he was, also, he was also and working he was in also the industry, working, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. He was working in the industry. He was, he was actually working with a colleague of mine of the French in the French publishing house. And yeah, she'd always say that you should meet Derek. It's, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy how it went. But uh, um, I, I ended up meeting him. And then, yeah, two years later, really falling in love with him. And and then I was also, I had arrived at a, at a moment, um, and I, this might be something just general for the publishing world. It's very hierarchical, but more specifically so in the French publishing world. I think just the French 
companies in general are very hierarchical. It's very difficult to move from one place to the next or go to to another domain or or move up the ladder. And and which was my case. I had been there for five years and I was, um, yeah, I kind of seen what I wanted to see and learn what I wanted to learn, what but I knew it was not really, mm-hmm. it was, it would have been, I was, I was foreign rights manager and I was working under uh, a rights director who I'm still friends with. And, and she recently retired and I still see her when I go, go to France, but she was, she'd been there since 1980 and she was clearly not going to, going to, you know, leave the company. And um, so I, I knew that if I wanted change something had to happen i had to move companies or um and then at the same time also my personal life i was asking like plenty of questions and about the choices that i'd made and yeah it was a it was an intense year 2010 um <laughs> and uh, and then yeah derek and i met um uh, again in in beijing and then i just yeah it just happened it just happened mm-hmm. and i knew mm-hmm. that this was I was going to live with him no, no matter where he was living. And it turns out he lives, he was living in Ojai, which I'm now living in, which is one of the most beautiful places really in, in, in the world. Um, from what I've seen and very feel very fortunate to be living here. But yeah, it just felt good. This was, this was the right decision to make. So I, yeah, I, I left my job. I uh, sold the apartment that I had with my then ex-boyfriend and um, it was, yeah, it was a 360 degree or 180 degree change so you arrive you arrive in california (laughs) yeah i had no idea what i was gonna do i just knew that i wanted to be with derek and that's um and then i and that's why i also knew everything else was going to be fine it was going to work itself out um and then I, I needed some time to get settled and just to process all the changes in in my uh, in my life and and but then after yeah three four and three four months I I kind of was like well but what I was doing I just really love it so I'd love to continue and um, but then the fact that is that we live in it's a small town Ojai it's got it has eight thousand inhabitants it's just it's like an hour and a half north of L A just a bit south of Santa Barbara. It's not quite the publishing hub. <laughs> so there were no companies here. So there were, there, w- there was no possibility for me being hired, um, at least not without, you know, not having to, to travel, to commute, which is not what I wanted to do. And, and then Derek had already had a lot of um, businesses. He, he's, he really is uh, the entrepreneur of, of the two of us. And, and um, already when we, when we first met, he was like, why don't you start your own agency? Like as if it was obvious. Don't you love that? <laughs> and like, cause I have the same experience, you know, with my partner string, if they just, they just, you know, show up and they're like, well, why don't you just start something? Why don't you just do this? And so somehow for me, you know, he was also a big push. Like he pushed me mm-hmm. in, in jumping into this, you know, like mm-hmm. somehow their confidence is so like, ah. Oh. And then I woke up and I'm like, yeah, I can do this, you know? And it's, it's amazing how we, you know, how our partners yeah. play such a crucial, not, not in all of us, obviously, but, you know, I feel like, and I, and I cherish that and I really appreciate mm-hmm. that they can, kind of encourage and support us in that way and like yeah you know, yeah, yeah. Look, look where I, you I are today look where, yeah okay <laughs> so. yeah I, I would not have done it. I mean my initial reaction when he asked me the question a year prior to that I was like 
no, I can't. I, no, I, I can't do that. I can't yeah. have my own agency. I, I don't even know. I hadn't even thought about it. But just the initial reaction was no. Um, you know, out of, you know, scared and unknown, you know, the whole, I don't feel comfortable with mm-hmm. this. And, and he really has a knack of, of, you know, pushing me out of my outside of my comfort zone. And, and which is definitely what I needed then and what I, <laughs> what I still need. And, and um, it's so we, we basically started the agency together. It was, you know, he had been already also working in foreign rights. So he knew so he exactly. Was selling, he was selling, sorry works. to interrupt. So he was yeah. selling American authors basically and yeah, selling their exactly. rights to foreign publishers outside. Yeah. And then you had the European experience. And so you guys yes. coming together didn't, exactly. I mean, made complete sense, right? So what was the, yeah. what was the first steps? Like, what did you guys do? Like, what, tell me a bit more about that first experience. <laughs> Um, well, I, I remember him saying, well, we need to have a website, especially because, <laughs> and now I, again, as I said, the French publishing is quite hierarchical and also quite old fashioned in the sense that I was working for one of the most esteemed publishing houses with the, the brand was known throughout the world. Mm. So all mm. I had to do was send an email to publish and say, Hey, we have these books, take a look. And everybody would ask for PDFs. Everybody would buy the books. Whereas starting out in you're California, nobody, no you're no name, nothing. Yeah? I, exactly. Nobody wow. used to see the agency. I, you know, I had my connections still, but it was not it was not an easy and an obvious transition and um so have a website create confidence create um you know content online so i wrote and articles build your own about, reputation yeah right? exactly mm-hmm. i wrote articles about my previous experience i wrote um yeah i mean i think and it was it was great because i i actually had never done that before and i also you know, again, you, you mentioned that Derek had kind of the American background and me, the European background, but also I have the very literary, non-entrepreneurial background and he has the very marketing um, oriented um, background with a lot of experience ha- with, you know, his own businesses. So mm-hmm. he had all the tools kind of ready. Yeah. Um, so what was so- your strategy? Like, how did you get into that? Did you just start step by step going to, mm. I don't know, book fairs and approaching different? Yeah. So what was the first steps that you took? Go to, as you say, go to book fairs. You have to show up. You have to show your face. Say, hey, I might be living in California, but I'm here. <laughs> it's, uh, and, and the, the actual, the first thing we did after the website, it was starting a newsletter, a monthly newsletter, which goes out to all my, you know, all the contacts that we have and just talk about what the agency is doing. Um, now, of course, it's different. We also talk about the deals that we've done, the publications that have come out in different countries with the different covers. And, um, but then it was just basically, I sent out a news that saying, Tusi's agency is, is here. Who wants to work with me? <laughs> and, um, because I, I, sometimes what happens is when, 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 um, people in the publishing world start their own agency is that they take authors with them that they had been working with. Did or, you do that by the way? I, I, do that no I did not do that I mean I left without knowing really what I was going to do and I just didn't feel comfortable taking authors who were very happy with their publishing houses and and it's also so the most of the authors or or, actually most of the publishing houses that we represent are not from the US they're from Holland from France from Italy and and they are the agent 
part in publishing is much smaller there than it is in the US. So authors very often are just very happy to stay with the publishing house and not have mm-hmm. the middleman or middlewoman, uh, uh, as in the agent, uh, interfere because that's how they, that's how often an agent is seen there. It's really interesting. It is changing very slowly, but steadily, but it still mm-hmm. needs quite a way. So in a way, you went into competition pretty much with, uh, you know, with these big publishing houses in Europe. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big thing to take on, right? And then so you, how did you go through all of that? Like, I, I, I know that Derek was, was, well, as you're saying, Derek was a huge part of you know, encouraging you to go forward. But mm. how did you, well, weren't you scared? I mean, it's it's a huge thing to take on. Did you think that this is going to fail? And like, who's going to work mm-hmm. with you if you're nobody and you're based out of California, as you said, and all these challenges? Yeah. Like, what helped you go through them? And how did you manage all this? Because now, you know, you guys have grown so much and you've just done a partnership with a with the TV and, uh, you know, production company. That's incredible. Yeah. So it's such a... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, tell us a bit more about this this experience that how did you overcome mm-hmm. the fear and just like, wow. Um, yeah, of course, it was frightening. And also, you know, and it, it still is sometimes frightening, you know, it, <laughs> especially when you come from Europe, you live it, you, you have a job in France. It's like a monthly salary, you have all these great um um, work conditions. You, it's very hard to get fired. If you get fired, you got this whole job security thing. You know, with, with the you, you get unemployment, all that, and all that just does not exist in the U.S. And even less so when you're an entrepreneur. So uh, that is, of course, that was quite daunting. But I didn't really. You know, for me, it was this or do something completely different. So I just, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna try this out. Um, I knew that with Derek, we were very complimentary and uh, I I gave myself two years or two, three years and and um, which were not the easiest ones. It took me six months, I think, to, to really um, have the first foreign rights deal. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I did I did sign on quite early on um, clients, you know, and, and people that I knew from before, from, from my time at uh, in France. And, you know, and, and I don't see myself like as a competitor of those publishing houses. It's more, I really said, how can we work together? Um, so what I started out was, um, the way I started out was mostly representing publishers and agents that I already knew in specific territories. I knew that they... Um, you know, we're not selling as much as they could into Holland, for instance, or in, into France or into uh, the US. And so I said, okay, so I know that you have your whole system built out. I know that I can't take over your full catalog in all territories, but let me at least work in a couple of territories. And that's how, that's how it started. And, and, you know, I started going to book fairs quite early on. I mean, I knew I started, we launched in July and then the first book fair I went to together with Derek was in Beijing late August. And from there we went to the Frankfurt book fair. I stopped in Paris. I stopped in Amsterdam. I said, Hey, I'm here. Let's talk. Let's, let's fight. Let's figure out a way to work together. So quite quickly I signed on publishing houses and, um, and, and agency clients. And then at the same time, Derek was also bringing in authors, you know, as you mentioned, also, we, we work with a small number of authors mm. who are self-published and uh, and 
yeah, don't really think about the possibility of being published in foreign languages. And um, so, so Derek found a couple of um, of self-published authors, um, you know, influencers, people that he knew through his his networks, and and uh, that we started selling quite well early on. And um, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, I I didn't really, you know, very, very quickly, you just get caught up in a day to day business, you know, you need to like, okay, today, I need to do this, this, this. And then so and that is still and that is still my, um, my challenge today. Yeah. Is like, so basically, you saw, back. Yeah. yeah, so you saw mm-hmm. an opportunity in the market, you said, okay, how yeah. can I, how can I fill in this gap? Let me look at yeah. the gaps and how can I fill yeah. in these gaps? And then you went exactly. with that strategy. And you also started like you were just showing up and saying, we're here, you know, you were going yeah. to book fairs and started to, uh, you know, sign deals one by one. And now you have a huge mm-hmm. portfolio, like you have a page on your website, you know, all of the deals in mm-hmm. July, like I think last month, um, June was huge. And then you published, so you have so many deals with these authors. And I feel like I read some of the testimonials that people say that you have a, actually a refreshing way off yeah you know yeah. In the publishing industry and i and i see it now wh- why because first of mm-hmm. all you're not a traditional publishing house i'm assuming things move very quickly well at least mm-hmm. yeah you try to move yeah. things quickly you work yeah. with publishing houses agents and sometimes authors as well and you represent mm-hmm. them well it looks like all over the world and yeah. um yeah yeah, that's that, that's amazing, and this, yeah. is, this is this is such a great um, such a great story. I feel and very inspiring. Where you just and you know you gave yourself a deadline. You said you know two years, yeah. and let's see what happens. And now what is it? Five years now, or almost six? It's been six years. Yeah, six years now. Yeah. yeah, and you have some of the you know great names, and and you're publishing and you're presenting. Um, foreign rights to different markets. So can you talk, can you talk us a bit through the process? So let's say if I'm an author and Mm -hmm. because I know there's so many aspiring authors out there, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I have plenty of girlfriends who want to write their book and stuff. So, and uh, someone has already to have published with a publishing Mm -hmm. house or self-published a book in Mm -hmm. order to kind of come to, or through an agent or themselves or through a publishing Mm -hmm. house, come to you and say, Hey, so let's say I wrote a book um, and I want this book to sell internationally. And Mm -hmm. uh, so how how would be the process there? I'm very interested Mm -hmm. in, you know, your selection criteria as well, because this is like a fascinating part of it because there's so many cultures, right? Like, how do you know if my book on, I don't know, my memoir, let's say, honor of a memoir, how do you (laughs) know if it's going to be applicable to all these different cultures because there's so many Mm -hmm. you know mentalities and traditions and things like that then you've got to translate the book so take us through the process Mm. well first of all you're never sure whether a book will sell or not which is very um it's challenging but it's also it's it's also the interesting part of the job because there's there's always surprises and and you know sometimes they're sometimes i'm convinced when i take a book on like oh this can sell in at least five six territories and nothing happens and it's Mm. it really is frustrating for for everybody involved and but sometimes just the market forces they change or or they um or, or or maybe just at that very moment, somebody else has put out a, sim- a very similar book, which has done very well in specific territories. So everybody says, "Okay, but we've already seen this before, so we're not gonna we're not gonna buy this title because it doesn't bring anything new to the table." So, um, 
But first of all, I just wanted to um, just to explain. So there's a there's agents, uh, a lot of agents actually in the U.S. who are primary agents. So they work with authors on their manuscripts and then sell it to a domestic publisher and then either sell foreign rights to that domestic publisher who will then the, the publisher is in charge of selling foreign rights or it's the agent who holds back the foreign rights and then sells the foreign rights once the book is published or a bit in advance of the publication in, in the domestic territory in the US. So I don't do that. I, I really, I don't work with unpublished manuscripts. As you say, it's it's either been on the market already um, for not too long because once a book is out on the market for a year, a year or two, it's hard to make people look back in a sense because mm. it goes really fast everybody's looking for what's the next big thing um okay. so um so basically when i when i receive a, a manuscript i have to like it myself <laughs> i have to because i'm the one who's pushing it i'm the one who's talking what would about you say are some you? of the main things for you like someone can you pinpoint yeah. two things that you really like? It might be like the author's tone of voice or a compelling story. Like yeah. What is it about the book that really grabs your attention? Yeah. Um, well, unique stories you, um, are, are always uh, very, you know, gripping. And, and, you know, and again, well, unique is a vague, vague concept, but... Um, it's just something in, in the voice, the tone with a little bit of humor. Um, I, I personally like it when somebody doesn't take himself or herself too seriously. Um, <laughs> and uh, But, you know, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't go for a, a, a book that is about a very serious subject and is, is, is very, you know, it, um, it, it really it really depends whether I, you know, I don't. So there's the, the the personal factor. Do I like this book? Do I, you know, I, I usually talk to the author. Is there a connection between us? You know, because it, it has to. It's important that there is a, there is a connection, and um, it's then I, I also. Um, you know, I look at the platform, I look at the books, has, has the book already, is this the first book that is published or has the author already booked, published a couple of books? How many, um, you know, how many copies are sold? What are the endorsements? You know, it's a very, so many books, especially since the advent of self-publishing, so many books are published every day that it is getting harder and harder to, to, to draw foreign publishers attention to like this is the book you need to be looking at not the 10 other manuscripts that you yeah received. i i just have a point here like for me it, you know we i mean you you're familiar with the online marketing world and today like it mm -hmm. seemed to me i think about six months ago this this thing dawned on me that anyone today can write a book like i'm talking about mm -hmm. anyone anyone mm -hmm. who thinks you know can use it for marketing purposes or like whatever you know anyone can write a book you know you can wake up write a book you can mm -hmm. hire ghostwriters you can do so many things to write a book and for me like i was appalled by it i was so angry i remember like i woke up and i and i just talked to string i'm like this can't be happening. I'm like, what's happened? You know, I guess, I guess it's the idea of, you know, if you're writing, especially the whole idea of ghostwriters, I'm, I'm not sure how I still feel mm -hmm. about it. I understand the, the reasons behind it. But for me, and I guess I'm traditional, you know, maybe I'm conservative mm -hmm. and traditional. But for me, if you're writing a book, you're freaking writing a book, you know, you are mm -hmm. writing it yourself, you're putting your name on there. If you're writing it with someone, you're putting it to get, you know, you co-authored that book. And so, I just, yeah, you're right. I mean, how do you, 
especially like anyone can write the book. How do you know? And I feel like today, you know, you'd have to go through some sort of an agent or you'd have to go through someone mm-hmm. like you to put it out there into different markets because like, who is the judge, who is the judge today? Because before, although, you know, now it's great that anybody can publish, right? You don't need to depend on a publishing house and your relationships, all of that. You can just publish, but like, where's the criteria you know to to get to a new york bestseller list today is easy as well because like you have to have an affiliate network of people Mm -hmm. and a facebook group that is huge and that's it you're the new like Mm -hmm. i have a personal well i know someone who's done that and i'm like what's happening to the literally world of (laughs) books and it was it was actually very depressing for me I, i felt really sad about it what is your take on on that and especially since you are selling the you know, the, the foreign rights to other markets. Like, mm-hmm. What do you think about all that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, def- it's definitely been liberating and it has been for, for authors to know that they can now, you know, don't have to wait for six months or so to, for an agent to get back to, to them and, and say whether or not they, they like the book and whether or not they, they take it on. Um, and then the same thing goes on with, you know, once the agent submits it to the different publishers, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very, publishing is a very, very slow process. Um, already just the, the domestic edition, it's a slow process, but in the traditional sense, but then self-publishing has, has completely shuffled that, uh, that up. And, and, um, as you say, anybody can publish, anybody can, um, you know, put content out. It's, um, but that also makes it more difficult to, to be heard and be read. And of course, if you already have a platform, like you say, you know, somebody who has a huge Facebook following or a huge Twitter following or a blog that is read that has, I don't know how many millions of hits uh, per month. So that, 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 that it makes it a bit easier. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, in the beginning, especially, I kind of looked at the like self-published books on Amazon, kind of who were garnering, who were getting really five, four, five stars reviews, a lot of reviews, and uh, would reach out to them. Now I just have a lot already with the, the clients that I currently um, currently represent, both publishing houses, agents, and authors. So now it's more the authors who reach out to me, and they. Um, um, and, and very often, I would say 99 times out of 100, it's it's a no. Also because we have to, it takes time for us. We invest always a lot of time up front um, before we even start making, can, can start making a sale. And whether we make that sale or not is, is as I just said, not always, um, not always a hundred percent sure. So it's, um, it, we really have to be very strict and, and, um, so yeah, apart from, apart from the, the personal connection with the author, me liking the book, um, where, you know, if it's, if it's fiction, I'm kind of more the expert. If it's nonfiction business marketing, then my husband, Derek, he kind of takes a look at it because he knows that, that genre much better than I do. He's read much more than, than I do in that, um, in that era. And, um, he then helps me say, okay, this is good. Or this is, you know, it has been done before. So it's going to be extra hard to, to, to push this with foreign publishers. So it's, um, yeah. So, and, and then, you know, to get to, to the process, once we have 
decided to take on an author or once we have decided to take on um, you know a book within the catalog of a publishing client that we represent because even there we we, we have to be selective and we can't just push out the full catalog um, and then we when you're saying catalog let me just ask a question yeah. real quick. when you say yeah. catalog that means that the publisher has a couple of I mean I guess a list of different books that they approach mm-hmm. you they say these are the 10 20 whatever books t- book titles that we want to sell to foreign markets and then you mm-hmm. take those and you kind of filter them out and you say okay we're yeah. going to take this one this, this one based on your experience and and kind of your mm-hmm. own personal uh preference as well and yeah yeah okay exactly i mean it usually is like they're new titles that the ones that are coming out in the next three to six months um now for instance the the frankfurt book fair is coming up in october and we we go there every year and um so we are working on the catalog that we specifically make for that book fair and we're we're looking at titles that have been published between now and and that will be published up until january february 2018 and of course, it's always an open discussion between our our clients and me. And and I can be wrong, you know. I can also be wrong, and I can I can be wrong in both senses. I can be wrong in in being convinced that I can sell this book, but also in being convinced, no, that's not going to work. And then I end up selling it. So it's it's uh, yeah, it's 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 always okay. everything's different. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking now. You play you you pretty much play a crucial role in whether you know a title. I mean, you and and you know the foreign rights, um, uh, you know, selling foreign rights selling um, in the publishing. And you play a cru- cru- crucial role in 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 terms of what books get to be translated and sold overseas mm-hmm. from like, you know, um, from the domestic market, which is, which is really interesting. So, okay. So let's say, um, you, so now you have a pipeline of authors that and publishing houses and, and agents that want to work with you. And then mm-hmm. once you select that, you go to a book fair. So let's say you're going to go to the Frankfurt book fair with these t- upcoming titles and what happens mm-hmm. there. So who, so mm-hmm. who comes to that, um, book fair? I'm assuming all, all of the foreign, how do you even call them? Who's on the other side that comes to yeah, you? The acquisition <laughs> editors. They acquire the acquisition rights. editors. Yes. Okay, so they come to you, and then what happens then? So um, yeah, so my schedule is already full for Frankfurt Book Fair in October. So everybody starts scheduling in June. It's crazy, um, but so people I meet with are both the clients that I work for the publishing houses and the agencies and I'm, I'm meeting with acquisition editors and um, I'm meeting with agents who help me sell in specific territories like in China for instance I don't sell directly because it's very hard to keep track of the Chinese market I don't speak Chinese um, I'm I'm far away geographically so I work with an agent who's based in Beijing and who helps me sell those books into China. So I meet with them to present our program. And then um, I, there's there's a couple of other people, uh, depending on how much you will you want to go into detail, there's a couple of other people that have, have important roles in the foreign rights process. And actually on the website, and I can, I can give a link to that if you want to include that, there is like an um, infogram about uh, the, the actual, the, all the different actors in the foreign rights process process but um i mainly meet with editors from foreign publishing houses um, so this is your way Uh Mm -hmm. this is your way of kind of presenting the titles and what they're about i I guess i mean you're 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 a salesperson then right your job is yeah you're pitching right (laughs) that's amazing so it's really like a market (laughs) affair and then what happens uh 
So obviously your goal, I'm assuming, is to sell as much as possible to the foreign rights. And and so mm -hmm. and you go into it not knowing what's going to happen. So it's kind of a rush, right? And then mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so after, can, can you tell us a bit more like what usually happens there? Like based on your experience, would like 80% of the titles get sold or is it like a total surprise or what yeah. happens by the end of it? So first of all, it's it's the last couple of years, especially with internet. You know, now we don't send physical copies of books anymore to editors. Now we can just send PDFs, which is much easier, much faster, and and makes the process also uh, much more um, immediate. Basically, so what happens now in the last 10 15 years usually books were bought either during the frankfurt book fair or the london book fair or other book fairs um or right afterwards now it's like all the best books all the hot titles are already sold in the weeks running up to the frankfurt book fair it really is it has it's a shift so those are actually the, the the busiest weeks of the year for us like starting september that's when foreign you know acquisition editors start emailing us like you know what what are your what are your books like uh, we send out actually our catalog one month in advance and hopefully we start selling already before the frankfurt book fair so it's um just so that people you know the hottest titles, of course, there's a lot of competition. So everybody wants to get there first. So they, right. uh, yeah, so so it's, of course, a lot of things still happen at the Frankfurt Book Fair, but a lot also happens before now. So, which is great because then we can say we arrive at the Frankfurt Book Fair and we say, hey, you need to look at this title. It's already sold to Germany, to France, to Italy, mm. to Russia. You know? So, um, so it's it definitely the happens. selling and then selling of it. Exactly. Wow, that's amazing. Can yeah. we talk a little bit about the money side of things? Uh, because mm -hmm. I was actually really surprised. So I'm, I'm familiar with one of the authors that you're publishing and I went to his presentation and he was like, these guys are amazing. And I think he said <laughs> that from all of his like book profits, I mean, the revenue, mm. I think he said something like 40% of all of the book revenue came actually from foreign markets and he was himself surprised. Mm -hmm. So what, what is the deal exactly in terms of um like money distribution when let's say you sign a deal so i'm an author and mm -hmm. you know, i work with you guys and then you sell my book how does that work in terms of like how much money do i get as an author mm -hmm. what is the cut you you are taking and i'm i also am assuming it all depends on the volume that gets yeah. purchased like what's the process there Mm. So, so first of all, we work on a commission basis, so we don't sell anything, we don't get paid. And um, our commission is 20% for for all the deals that we do which is often split into as i just said with local agents that we work with in china korea uh russia uh, we have in spain and latin america we have a co-agent so um so very often we get 10 percent, and then the co-agent or sub-agent gets 10 percent. and um then the foreign publisher usually what they what they offer for they make a calculation they say realistically we think we can sell x amount of copies of this book into our territory now of course the number of copies that they think they can sell is much different in vietnam than in china vietnam is tiny china can be huge we are about to wrap up the the okay. whole part of the interview because i mean there's a lot there's a lot we can talk about but i mm. want to quickly
quickly touch base on uh, you know your partnership with Atlas Entertainment for film and television yeah. scouting, yeah. which I think is the most exciting, uh, exciting you know yes. adventure <laughs> ever. So basically, this means that you will be kind of in charge uh, of selecting for okay, not sure there, but you're you're going to be in charge of uh, working working with this um, entertainment. Company, yeah. film and TV mm-hmm. company for screen adaptations of different movie mm-hmm. uh, books into movies, and this company particularly has did uh, have, they have done recent production for you know Wonder Woman, yes. American Hustle, and Suicide Squad. I'm like, what? This is incredible. <laughs> Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, one of those things. Um, it, it was yeah, I, I of course living close to Hollywood, which LA, is what yeah. I do. It's, um, I, I got in touch through, yeah, mutual connections with, um, with one of the producers and, uh, they're very interested in, and especially what, what's going on outside of the U S and outside of the UK. And, and, um, so books, almost uh exclusively um originally published in foreign languages and they um to possibly adapt them indeed to tv or or film which is it's it's growing with all the you know the news the new or they're not that new anymore the streaming platforms like netflix and hulu and uh they more and more are adapting uh books and and um with Netflix original, Amazon original, you know, The Handmaid's Tale on 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 Hulu, which I'm watching and en- enjoying a lot. Um, so it it really is a uh, it's a development over the past couple of years that um, yeah the, the production companies are are looking more and more into develop in 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 projects literary projects that have been published and for possible adaptations. So it kind of yeah one thing led to another. I said well if you're looking for international things like I. I have like I travel so much. I, I run into people. I I know a lot of the rights sellers, even though I don't work with them personally in my capacity as a foreign rights agent. I know them. They've become friends. They've um, you know you, you we keep running into each other uh, all around the world. So and I know I read a lot of industry news. So I kind of know what titles are buzzing and I know on which door to knock to get the the manuscript. So. I suggested to um, yeah to work with them, and which is which is what what happened a few months ago, and um, yeah, it's very exciting, and I'm, I'm learning a lot too. Yeah. yeah, thank you. It was yeah, I'm, I'm I'm learning a lot about, and and I'm of course also watching a lot more series <laughs> <laughs> than 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 I than I used to, which is which is, I'm totally fine with. Yeah. Well, before um, you know, now you you've been yeah. you know all your experience, you've been paid to kind of read the books and then sell them. Now it's going to be like, you know, what is, it's just such a fascinating addition to, and it makes sense, right? Cause it's a, it's mm-hmm. a logical kind of continuations because you will yeah. you know what sells, what are the tastes and all of that. And now, uh, oh, I'm so excited to be involved in like the production <laughs> stuff and all of that. That's, that's incredible. Congratulations. It's, it's a Thank really, you. I guess you yeah. guys are really proud and then, and, and excited and <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, <laughs> Awesome. So we talked about that. Now I want to, I want to finish this interview with really going back to your personal story and, um, mm-hmm. tell me, tell me about your, your kind of the turning moment, um, in your career, let's say, and the biggest lesson that you've learned, uh, that helped you to get to where you are today. And maybe our listeners can really kind of get inspired and learn from that. Um, 
always yeah always be learning <laughs> i mean it's 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 it sounds like a cliche but i yeah always just don't don't be afraid to reach out to people and 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 again that's something that derek um uh started telling me from the beginning that like, you need to be calling people and i'm like yeah but i don't have anything to say <laughs> especially when i didn't have anything to sell yet so um but i yeah i found i found some of my of the biggest clients that i um that i represent as a foreign rights agent just because i reached out to them this mm -hmm. I, I tended to be before i tended to be a bit more on the um like passive um like reactive um mode like when somebody reaches out to me it's like okay let's see and now yeah i i i've, I've learned much more to be to be active and, and proactive and, and reaching out to people more. And, um, and also, even if it's not really, I mean, basically the, the, the deal with Atlas Entertainment came to being because, um, I, I reached out or somebody reached out to me and I was like, okay, but this is not really, I, I, I usually don't handle film rights, but then, um, so it wasn't an obvious connection, but still I showed up, we met and you know, that's how one thing led to another. So also don't, yeah, not, I've learned and I'm still learning not to close doors too quickly. It's mm, it really that's great advice um, not to stay too much in the, um, you know, I'm doing this. And nothing else like it, it's yeah it, it the, the company you know it's it's when it's as soon as it stagnates it's it's over if you have to be always kind of yeah learning about new new possibilities and, and new industries and and um new trends and and just yeah always look a bit further mm, i than, love that yeah and i feel like yeah. You know, as, as, especially, you know, us as women, we feel to hold back a little bit just because, mm. well, you know, maybe confidence issues or you don't want to yeah. bother anyone too much and you yeah. don't want to be yeah. too much in their face and whatever. But I've, I've exactly. also learned myself yeah. that some of the things, you know, some of the, you know, biggest breakthroughs or whatever were because I reached out and I offered something and it was an initiative, right? And then, What's the worst case scenario? Nobody's ever going to reply and whatever, but that's not, mm -hmm. you know, so, so I, I love that advice. And I feel like we, and it's a learnable skill, right? The more you do it, the more you understand mm -hmm. the power of it and you do it, you do it forward and yeah. forward. And that, that's what brings results. Um, and now let's quickly talk about the challenges. So I'm, you know, we touched mm -hmm. in the beginning on uh, the thing that you said, you sometimes had to work harder to to be taken more seriously um why do you think that is was that because of the gender specifically or because of something else um i don't really know i don't really know why but um you know as i said i i and it was mostly before uh, before i started my company but when i um was working in france i think yeah maybe because i was a girl i look kind of younger than i am <laughs> so that's i think that also had something to do with it um and that's why i i yeah i whenever i have a meeting like i wear makeup and everything just to to <laughs> to to look more businesslike maybe i don't know it's it's uh i think that was that was part of it and um also 
yeah, they, they, I was in a position where I wasn't making the decisions. I was, I was working for somebody, um, who everybody knew that, that, that she was kind of, you know, make, was a decision maker and I wasn't. So that was also one of the reasons why after five years, it was like, okay, this is, I've reached my, I've reached the ceiling. I, I want to go higher, but I, I can't really go higher in this position where I am at now. So, but it's also during these years uh, that you've learned so much, right? Oh yeah, I mean, all of your experience came from there. And I love when somebody said, and I and I see what you mean by we have to work hard, and I agree we have to work harder than men. But at the same time, for me personally, it's been I've learned so much, you know, and I've built the the work ethic and showing up and all of yeah. that, which is not really helpful for me. I mean, yeah. I'm so I'm grateful that I worked harder, you know, because now yeah. I can I can show up and then really, you know, the get to the success that I want to get with and having that confidence. So it's this mm-hmm. thing where in the beginning, I guess you learn and then you go through all of these trenches and it's hard. And then, you know, once yeah. you establish the reputation or whatever, and then then it, it's kind of easier. So it's it's I guess it's it's a blessing in disguise in a way. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's how I see it too. Okay. So uh, Marlene, I have a question that I've, you know, I'm a, I'm calling myself a recovering creative and um, I've got, I'm going through these books and I'm writing myself. That's why I'm like so fascinated by the publishing industry. And I have a couple of writer friends. Um, Would you say that you, you know, because what they say is that people who are producers or people who are kind of not the writers themselves, but supporting all the writers and kind of in this whole industry are in a way mm-hmm. unaccomplished, un, 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 I don't want to say not accomplished, but they're writers themselves that haven't given themselves permission to actually write and publish books, you know? It's like this, the producer mm-hmm. is the one who's always been wanting to do the screenplay or something. Do you, feel, do you feel like there's a part of you that have wanted always to write and maybe write the, her own book and stuff? Or, or it's really not the case in, in, in your situation? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I would love to write one day yeah and i've actually i've i i write a lot for the website of course that's not the same but i'm i am enjoying it and that really is my creative outlet um <laughs> writing articles for the blog post but um i and i and i i wrote a lot when i was much younger um but i don't think that has anything to do with me um i mean especially i'm not involved in the creative process with the from the authors that I work with um you know the book is already there I I I only step in you know again I'm not a primary author's agent but I step in when the manuscript is ready and I can start working with it and bringing out bringing it out um to foreign markets but um yeah I I don't know that's that's a good question I mean I think it's it's a good um I think it's also good to kind of separate the two, right? The creative from the person who kind of supports and 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 knows. Um, you know, I, I I personally think it is very useful to work with an agent, um, and uh, instead of self-publishing. But of course, it depends on your on your book and and on your personality and and on what you want and how much control you want. And but I think working with an agent who comes in with a more of a you know a distant uh, look and and um, it can really make something that had good potential can make it great. 
because of the experience that they've had, because of, um, you know, the authors that they've worked with in the past with so many factors. And I, I don't I don't think that's because they're kind of wannabe authors or <laughs> themselves <laughs> or, or, or uh, cherish this dream to write themselves. I think it's really two completely different things. Mm, yeah. I see. Would you like to uh, actually write your own book and then publish it and sell it? To foreign markets as of well. <laughs> Do you have already ideas? <laughs> um, there's a couple of ideas that I'm playing with, but nothing, nothing concrete yet. Okay. No. All right. Sounds good. And um, let's close this this kind of official part about publishing and all of that um, mm. with some with advice for uh, you know aspiring writers and mm. maybe writers who are already writing their books, and because this is something that. As you mentioned before, like people don't really think about, you know, about foreign rights and then you mm -hmm. know, your book being sold um, overseas, which actually can bring quite a bit of income if it's done well. What mm -hmm. would be your advice in terms of um, writing the book um, and also going with it? Well, as you said, you know, you, you advise that um, working with an agent rather than self-publishing. So what would you what would be your advice uh, for aspiring writers? Mm. Well, you know, as I, as I said, it really depends on, on maybe self-publishing is the way for some people, you know, and, and, and that's, um, and I've, I've also worked with self-published authors who have been very successful and I don't think it would have worked out had they done it traditionally. No. So mm -hmm. it, it really is that, that just was my, my personal opinion. Um, but I, um, yeah, I, I think it's, you have to ask yourself a couple of questions like, what, what do I want to do with my book? Where, where do I, you know, what life do I want it to lead? Do, um, what, what's the time span? What do I want to, you know, have it out there quickly? Do I, um, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of like business men or, and women like r write their own book, self-publish it and have it out there for during keynotes that they do and to, for sale. And, um, you know, I think that is a very, that's, you know, like some kind of a business card for them. Their, their book is, has become a business card. So, and, and in those cases, I think self-publishing is really, uh, you know, a, a good way to go. Um, but then also you need to be willing to spend or invest a lot of time or money, uh, to get it done because either you do it yourself, you, 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 you know, are involved with the cover design, you're involved with the typesetting, you're involved with, or you delegate and you hire good people, good professionals to do that for you but it's it's definitely um yeah costly either in time or in money to, to to do that but then you do have full control so it's uh and then you know of course some authors also dream about being published with penguin i mean Pen penguin mm. of course does have <laughs> does have a great reputation reputation and and um but yeah of course if if you're if you decide to to you know send your manuscript to an agent you you better be prepared to to be patient <laughs> it's uh, it's a long process and and sometimes um also a, a frustrating one because you know it might not be according to the agents good enough and but then some agents also write back and say why it's not good enough which can be an incentive to improve and make it even better so it's a uh, 
yeah, it's it's a tricky it's a tricky decision to make, and it really depends on the book and on the author. Yeah, I can't really say more. <clears throat> yeah, there's so many factors, but uh, you've, mm. you've you've given some some great advice, so thank you for that. And uh, all the listeners, aspiring writers and writers today, um, you know, we want to thank Marlene for <laughs> you know showing <laughs> up today and uh, providing us all advice and um, just sharing the process of you know the the industry and the foreign rights in the pub, pub, selling the foreign rights in the publishing industry. I'm still wrapping my head around it, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, th- thank you so much. It's time for tools and resources on Girl Skill. Now we go to, into the some of the resources that you can share that make you, mm-hmm. you know, um, stay productive, happy, and fulfilled, and efficient. Mm-hmm. I guess in your work, uh, do you have some kind of a morning routine that uh, you want to share with us? Um, yeah. So I, uh, I never, uh, unless I'm traveling for work, which is about two to three months a year. Um, but when I'm at home and I work from home, I have a home office, I do not wake up with an alarm clock, which has been a very, a very liberating, very, um, you know, just the body. I let my body wake up when it's time to wake up. Of course, I don't go to bed too late. So it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, we live in a small town. It's not like crazy nightlife here anyway. So, and even if there were, I don't think I, yeah, I'm, I'm beyond that now. Um, but, um, so I, yeah, so I wake up quite, quite early naturally and, um, then I do, um, I start with like 15 minutes of yoga. I've developed this, this practice myself, or if I don't want to do anything, um, you know, any practice that I've already done, I have this great app, which I wanted, which I'm going to talk about later. Um, that kind of, you know, gives me, you can, you can choose a time and the intensity and, and, uh, um, and with music or without music anyway so to to do yoga so that i i really start the day with that kind of really connect yeah. with myself yeah. <laughs> um because and then i get i have coffee really good. <laughs> i love coffee <laughs> very strong black for a percolator I, I never used to drink coffee until i went through a very tough time at, at work and in, in france and and i just i love it now i don't know how i did it before but anyway so i have my cup of coffee but then i i start i i sit in front of the computer and i because i work so much with europe and there's a nine hour time difference with most of the clients that i work with um, so I have to start early. Um, usually I'm in front of the computer at like 7.30, uh, which is half past four in the afternoon in Holland. And especially the Dutch and Scandinavian publishers, it's 5 p.m. They're all gone. It's really, uh, <laughs> it's just, that's just the way it is. In France, people clock off a bit later. It's like six, seven, eight. I can get through to them till then. But if I really want to talk, if there's any emergencies that are in fires to put out, um, I need to, you know, get that done as soon as possible. So, um, so I do that while I, while I, um, you drink know, your strong coffee. black coffee. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I talk to people. I, 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 um, and then, yeah, once, once all the emergencies are, are dealt with and I, uh, you know, I have breakfast and then you know, I can start my day and kind of Okay. Try not to be led too much by my email, not have my email become a to-do list, which is difficult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very challenging and, and, and often I, I really let it be my to-do list. But yeah, okay. it's... Uh, great, thank you. That's a, that's a great routine. Um, cool. Okay, thank you. Uh, now, what is, what is something that's always in your purse, in your backpack or something that you always carry with you that you can't live without pretty much? <laughs> 
Um, I mean, it's it's pretty standard, you know. If it's in my wallet, my my iPhone, um, I always have. Uh, I always have some business cards because you never know who you walk, <laughs> who you walk into, even here in town. Um, and um, lip balm, you know, lots of girly stuff. You know, hairpins, hair, <laughs> just those. Things. But I do have what I. So I've developed this system is because I have several purses. Oh my and, god! I feel yeah. like somebody <laughs> just needs to. I don't know, like paint, create a system and painted it because it's like. Oh, I have to transfer all my shit from one purse to another again. Okay, so what do you do? What's your so, system? So I have a pouch within my purse, <laughs> which has all the little, like little things. And so I just put put it from one into the other. And then, of course, I, I always check before I leave if I have my phone and my wallet. But uh, you know, so I actually have some pouch, sort, <laughs> some kind of sort of that stuff, like all my makeup stuff, little perfumes, whatever. Mm. I just yeah, I just transfer from one to the other. But then, of course, yeah. the problem is when you have a small small purse from a oh, big one, yeah. you can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god women have to deal with so much i know, you know? i know <laughs> but yeah that, that's a great that's a great tip thank you very much um okay so now is the time to share with us some of the apps uh that you find uh, you know really make you efficient and productive so mm. i guess one of them is the yoga app yeah, it's called Down Dog. And there's a free version, which I use. And I think the paid version gives you like access to more music and more. Um, yeah, I think it's just the music that's different. But uh, and I've I keep telling everybody about it, because uh, it's, it's, it's especially useful for me when I'm traveling. Um because I always I have a I have a foldable yoga mat that I take with me now. And um, just to have like at the end of the day, when I've had like a full day of meetings and, and rushing from one place to the next, if it's not at a book fair, it's just very hard. And I'm jet lagged often. It's very hard to just fall asleep at night because I'm still like all wound up. And, and so just to do a little small short yoga practice at night, is just as you know, it's very useful and, and, and as well in the morning to get started uh, again, especially when I'm jet lagged. So um, that down dog app has, yeah, has really been really made a big change because it just changes things up a little. Um, I do have this routine, as I said, um, the sequence that I that I do often at home. But when I travel, I like doing a little bit different things. Okay. So that's one. And then um, there's another like kind of health uh, related app which is called the Mind Body app, Ooh. which you might have heard of. Um, so it's it's great. Also, when I'm traveling, I it helps you find nearby fitness, yoga, workout studios. And so I've found some really great places in Amsterdam and in Paris. You can actually often even book a place or book a spot on a on a class through the app. Oh, and okay. um, so that's yeah it's really it's really a, a very useful and and i think yeah like in paris and amsterdam there were plenty of um you know plenty of of schools and 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 uh, yoga places that were connected and not sure if it's everywhere uh the same but it's i think in big cities i also had a look in new york and, and jersey city I'm gonna I'm so, gonna use this one, yeah. And we're gonna yeah. have for the, all the listeners, we're gonna have all the links in the show notes, and also uh, you'll have a chance to actually sign up, so we can send them to you by email. Um, okay, so I got Down Dog Mind Body app, and then anything else? Yes. Um, yeah, I 
uh, well, there's a couple that I use for work. That well, one is Evernote. Yeah, I just love Evernote. Uh -huh. <laughs> I just love it, and I love that you can have those little tick boxes because because I travel so much. <laughs> I have these. I have my travel lists and uh, because, you know, we usually when I travel, it's like for five to six weeks in different places and different climate climates and work and personal. So it's always it's very important that I just have everything. So I, over the years, I've developed this this checklist and um, yeah, I can just check. And also whatever, whatever has to be done before I leave, like make sure that my credit cards companies know that I'm traveling and I don't get blocked mm. when I so it's kind of your project management to do list management. Um, yeah, know. but just, just, yeah, Evernote, exactly. Just when I'm traveling, I do have a couple of yeah other notes for like nice, nice restaurants and areas or cities that I often visit and just to keep track of, of those things. So Evernote both, and I have recipes in my Evernote too. Mm -hmm, so it's yeah. I use it on a personal uh, level. Cool. And then um, I like the, the main tool that I use and I'm absolutely a big fan of and that, that. Derek, my husband, introduced me to is called High Rise. I don't know if you know, it's a CRM. Um, uh, and it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> um, I uh, So it basically helps me keep track of all my relationships. And I have over 6,000 people in on my mailing list. And it's just all the publishers, the editors, the agents, the translators, the authors, all of them are in high rise they have all their entry and i can very easily keep track of who i saw when where um the email there's a really handy feature uh when you email somebody and they have a specific dropbox address so you bcc that dropbox address and your email history shows up in that person's um entry wow so for anyone yeah. who kind of has an extensive network and needs to keep track of it's yeah what's happening with whom and who is who the high rise can help you do the, all exactly. of that oh yeah wow, great it's all okay. online you have an a you have access from anywhere the in the world i have several mm -hmm. users people that i work with have access to it as well you can assign tasks to people you could oh it's it's super handy i i just actually started using a specific database for rights management uh which helped Will, which will help me keep track much better of contracts and royalty statements and whatnot, everything specifically tailored for rights management. But for everything, mm -hmm. just relationships, I would say high rise is, is, is really Amazing. a great thing. Yeah. yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Um, okay. We need to finish this because we're yeah. like over <laughs> over an hour and a half now um, <laughs> talking. Uh, okay, so very quickly, um, yeah. uh, let's go. One, uh, someone or a magazine or someone in the industry or maybe for your personal life that you follow online that you really like the content or anything like that so that we can mm -hmm. check them out. Um, well, he's, he's very well known. I, I, I follow Tim Ferriss on, I listen to his podcast and, and I, I receive his newsletters. So it's always very interesting. Um, then, um, I have to say, I don't, yeah, there's a lot, lot of work related things. You know, I, I represent foreign rights for James Altucher, Dan Norris. So I kind of follow what they're up to. Um, you know, James is a very, very active blog. Right. Uh, and then I read a lot of industry news, publishers marketplace, publishing perspectives, bookseller. There's a lot of, you know, specific, um, yeah, publishing industry, uh, newsletters and, and blogs that I, uh, Okay. Yeah. 
And now we're getting, of course, to the favorite books uh, that yeah. you love. <laughs> How much time do we have? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, top three. So, I, of course, I have to talk about one book that that I represent and I somehow am involved with, um, which is also one of my best reads of the past couple, last couple of years. It's a graphic novel, part of a graphic novel series um, by the French Syrian author called Riyad Satouf. And he published this graphic memoir called The Arab of the Future. There will be five volumes in total. And it's it's amazing. He It's his life story. He was He's half French, half Syrian. And he grew up in the 1980s in Libya, Syria, and France. And um, kind of through his children's eyes, describes the situation as not quite French, not quite Syrian, with his Syrian cousins, um, he with blonde hair, because his mother was from Brittany. And uh, so kind of being the outsider, um, in, in very small details, both in the text and the illustrations, because he does both the text and the illustrations, he just makes you understand, or at least it happened to me, I understood a lot better the situation, the awful situation that Syria is going through and, and that, that Libya also went through the whole, you know, Arab Spring Revolution of a couple of years ago. Um, it just, it just makes things easier to understand. It's kind of everything just was already such a, yeah, a, okay. a mess. Okay, we're <laughs> yeah. going to have, again, we're going to have all the links, yeah. um, you know, yeah. in our show notes or in the downloadable and PDF. It's available or will be available in 20 languages soon, but it's available in English already, the first two volumes. Okay, so. perfect. Yeah. Um, okay, what else? Um, so I recently um, listened to, I actually also listen to audiobooks uh, whenever I can. Um, um, one of the latest books by David Sedaris. I, I haven't, I didn't write down the title. Um, something with owls and diabetes. I need to, I, I will let you know that, <laughs> but there's owls and diabetes in the title. It's like short stories and it's extremely funny. He's a very, very funny guy. Um, and, uh, you know, some based on his life and, and others are, are fictional. And uh, yeah. So that was really, I, I remember I was swimming laps in the pool and listening to that and I just would laugh. You know, I have this waterproof iPod thing. And oh, I was just going to ask like, what's in the pool? Okay. Yeah. Is this sufficient? <laughs> in my, in my ear. So it's, yeah, I kind of get bored when I swim laps. So oh. I, I like to audiobooks then. And it was just, I was, I was cracking up all the time underwater. It was, it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> I was cracking up underwater. Wow. You're a true bookworm, you know, like listening to audiobooks underwater. Um, okay, great. Thank you. Is that it or do you have something else? Um, I mean, one of my favorite classics and also uh, kind of from a feminist uh, point of view Virginia is To the Lighthouse Wolf. by Virginia Woolf. Exactly. To the Lighthouse is my all time favorite. I mean, Mrs. Dalloway, Room of One's Own, it's, everything is great, but specifically To the Lighthouse, I read it at a point also in my life which really made a huge impact and just suddenly understood certain things and yeah that's okay. it's an amazing book love it thank you so much and as i mentioned before all of these links uh well i'm gonna get have to get them first from you or from yeah. online <laughs> no are gonna be in the show notes or in the downloadable pdf that we're gonna send uh listeners and now our last question we are at the end um marlene what would you love what would you like to be written on your tombstone? 
Um, yeah. So first of all, I think I'd like to be cremated. But anyway, that's <laughs> that's a different story. Um, I, I give, I've given this some thought, and it was like it was not an easy one. But then suddenly it dawned on me, and um, so it's she went her own way. Hmm. She went her own way. That's a perfect uh, motto to Girl Skill mm. Radio. <laughs> and you just said it. <laughs> this is why this is here. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, simple yet very profound, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Marlene, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for your well, time. Thank you for, you know, just sharing with us the industry, kind of the ins and out a little bit and the process and all of the advice and all the, obviously the tools and the resources that you use. Very helpful. I'm going to use some myself and uh, I'll definitely check out the books that, that you've recommended. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much. Good luck with the, you know, two C's agency. Good luck with the production, um, co- I don't even know how. I I don't have the words the production to use. Company. It. There you go, production and, company. Yeah. yeah, and then for for anyone, and of course, like you, we we know that you now don't reach actively to authors and you mm. know agents. But for anyone who wants to learn more about you, about the agency, the process, or you know, if you were, I'm assuming mm. that you're. You know, even if you're not looking, you're always kind of refreshed by or excited mm. to get like new voices, new perspectives sure. for books. Yeah. Thinking. Please tell us where to find mm. all, you and all that information. Yeah, well, so there's there the website is quite extensive. There's also a lot of information just available um, and explains basically what it is that we do and how we do it. And um, yeah, so so do take a look. Uh, it's two seasagency.com and it's two the number two seas s e a s agency.com. And um, I'm on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Pinterest, uh, and it's all at two c's agency again with a t- number two cool and i'm again going to link to everything in the show notes or in the downloadable pdf okay uh marlene thank you so much you have a lovely thank you Anna. Uh, <laughs> evening in oh hi i was calling it oh jai yeah. but apparently yeah. oh hi uh and i'll 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 keep in touch and i'll speak to you soon yeah thank you so much for for giving me the opportunity i I really enjoyed it this was my first podcast ever so um yeah i hope that all your listeners will um will learn something from it they will um, absolutely for sure this was great thank you so much all right thank you anna bye-bye and so that's it for this episode with Marlene Seegers. I hope you enjoyed it and, and found some really, really cool, valuable lessons from it. And if this is so, and I'm sure it is, <laughs> I'd like to give uh, to ask you to give back and charge your comic energy by sharing this episode with one of your girlfriend who maybe is an aspiring writer or someone who is about to publish her book and needs to consider foreign rights publishing. This is a topic that not everybody knows about. Or maybe she's looking for a career choice that involves books, languages and traveling. Send her to this episode. Trust me, she and I will be truly grateful. You can share this episode right from your podcasting app or simply send her to our website at girlskill.com to episode 5. And if you haven't managed to take note of all the tools and resources Marlene shared with us, no worries. You can get them delivered straight to your inbox at girlskill.com forward slash 05 download. This is where you can subscribe to get an email together with a pdf so you can keep it handy and so that's it for this episode and i'll see you in the next one 
Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. Girlskill.com. Female success redefined. Redefined.